Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. How are you today? I wanted to start the show and say, hey, it was a uh, it was a challenging week for me. And it wasn't because of any particular other than the condition of this frail vessel, which I would call my body. And belabor uh, breathing. Because starting, I think it was... Friday night, I was feeling sick. And you know, if you follow the show closely, Saturday was the big event. That big event was the uh, Witch's Ride, a fundraiser that they have here in Key Largo where everyone, you know, you have people dress up in their favorite witch's costumes and decorate their bikes and all this stuff and they ride... It's kind of it's a, it's a great fundraising event for the community. It's tied to Halloween and all that stuff. And I made the jokes about how people walk in and say, "What's this all about?" Blah blah blah. We had the tourists come in. We had I can't I really can't estimate crowds. There were at least two hundred, maybe three hundred people involved in it. Not all of them were drinking, but it seemed like there were a lot of people drinking. We had a lot of drinks we had put out. And so I went into it. We we tricked out the whole restaurant, decorated it for it, and added extra workers to have it. We're not a big place in particular to have such a big event. So we had to really beef up the staff. So here I am running around making drinks and stuff like that with my coworkers. And it's field... When you're not feeling your best, it just feels as if you're by yourself. And I wasn't by myself. I was working with people that were working their asses off. But, you know, you're working within the limitations that you have yourself. And added to that, they have this uh, contest going. They're running in one of these publications where they're picking uh, the best bartender in Upper Keys. And here I am. Not feeling my best working the witch's ride and all these people coming in that most of them get to see me throughout the year. But then there's a significant number of them that only see me during these events. And, you know, I was not at my best. I really, I can really feel, I feel I don't know if it's feeling my age or being aware when I'm not at my best and feeling let down that I'm not able to be more exuberant. That could be just a thing with age, but it, really having a head cold didn't really help. So I go into work at 10 a.m. Uh, normally I'm in at 4 p.m. and I work till 11 p.m. And you know what? I guess I should be rejoicing, thinking, hey, you know, with a head cold and not feeling so hot, I was able to work 13 hours. You know, uh, I I hesitate to even call it a struggle because I struggled before running and exercising and and, uh, climbing, let's say, with limited oxygen, climbing a mountain, not like 
K2, but not being prepared for that. I've struggled before, so this wasn't as much as a struggle. But I really felt as if I could have been... Let me pause this. I think the wife's calling me. i got to talk to her. She wants to know how I'm doing. I'll be right back. Yes, I'm back. Yes, there was the wife checking on me. Uh, You know what sometimes it feels like as if you're a child, but, I mean, it's nice to know someone cares. So, uh, in preparation for the event, uh, this past Saturday, I was taking... It was always a balance for me when I'm going into work about the medication I can take. How much can I take? Like Alka-Seltzer Plus, Sudafed, whatever. Things you could take in concert in order to manage what ails you. And for me, it's like I, I didn't have a fever. Uh, my nose wasn't runny, but it felt clogged. I wasn't coughing and things like that. But I just needed to do that, and I needed not to be too drowsy. But there was always always that thing. Even when they say non-drowsy, I always get this cottony kind of feeling that you have when you when you take these medications and you just want to be able to manage you know there's times and this is the one day this which is right is the biggest event we have at the at at our place singular event for numbers and things like that and there just no we don't have a deep bench where we work because we're not a big place. When I say deep bench, we don't have a lot of people backing backing up. Uh, so you 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 miss one person, it just leaves a bigger hole. So we we did manage that. It was great. Everyone looked beautiful, and I did feel sad. Here I am running for. I I was nominated for it, so I didn't run for it. Not like I'm running for office, and I don't believe just because if I win this contest, which is over today, I think, the the tabulation and stuff like that. That makes me the best bartender in Upper Keys. It just makes me the one that got the most votes. Yeah, and that's real, not fake. You know, just, you know, either I got the most votes or I didn't. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. But it is kind of shame that I'm not feeling my best when I'm getting exposed to the most patrons that, you're normally not exposed to because they're not here for, you know, the people that come into town for the event. And they, they come up to Key Largo from Alvarado and they participate in it. But it was a worthy cause. They raised a lot of money and it was great. It was great. And it was amazing that most people get the idea behind these events and they just stick with the easy stuff. They have a beer, have a wine, have a... Uh, this and that and you know they just they just go with the flow for these big events and you know we're in the keys so it's going to involve drinking it's going to involve drinking and uh, I really I I never needed a big event myself when I was in, in to to really enjoy a libation or anything like that before I went into, uh, uh, got ready today, I was, I was reading the news. And every so often, you get this thing about Florida, 
Florida man, Florida this, Florida that. And you're sometimes you think it's something about the nature of Florida that makes people do certain things. Or is it the way people write stories saying this happened in Florida? It's kind of ridiculous. So I'm going to pitch it as a Florida story. When this story could have happened in Indiana, Arkansas, Montana, Pennsylvania, the story could happen anywhere. But this headline, he says, Florida attorney who opposed Florida helmet laws dies in motorcycle crash from a head injury while not wearing a helmet. And the irony there is people thinking they see this horrible thing, and it is a horrible thing. And, you know, I I did, I last week I made fun of those four guys that ended up dying in a criminal, whatever criminal activity they were taking place in, in Oklahoma. And that, uh, you know, make calling them Hillbilly Ocean Four, you know. But I didn't feel that way about this helmet attorney and stuff like that. I understand, even though I think if you ride a motorcycle, you should wear a helmet. But this guy, this attorney, he died. People say, well, he, he died because he doesn't think that helmets prevent injuries, head injuries. That's not the case at all. This guy opposed Florida helmet laws because he doesn't feel as if Florida or any state can compel you to wear a helmet if you don't want to wear a helmet. It's a freedom thing. Like, I don't think this is a freedom from instead of a freedom to. Freedom to would be you wear the helmet so you have freedom to live your life without a head injury. Freedom from is not wearing your helmet so you have the freedom to get a head injury. No, not to get a head injury so you don't have to wear a helmet. Part of the joys is I guess the guy riding a motorcycle he doesn't want to wear a helmet. And the uh, I think his wife or girlfriend, uh, the guy was in his early 60s, a couple years older than me. And uh, they he uh, slid uh, when there was a slowing of traffic on one of the highways he's riding on. His uh, motorcycle took a slide and his unhelmeted head mount met the side of a trailer. And I don't mean to make this sound brutal, but that's just the way it was. So people, sometimes they redefine an event in order to make it fit into a, and I probably disagree with this guy 100%, well, not anymore, because he's not disagreeing or agreeing with anybody anymore. And I don't mean that to be funny. I'm just saying the point is, he just didn't, he he probably wasn't arguing, and I'm, I'm going to have to paraphrase this, because I, I don't think the guy would argue that helmets don't protect you from head injury. That wouldn't be the point. It's saying the point would be whether the state can compel you to protect yourself from that injury. Like we, I mean, I'm sure uh, since seatbelts don't really ruin your experience, that it was harder to fight seatbelt laws when they came about in the 60s and 70s. I think they started passing the seatbelt laws then. But it's interesting 
if you think about all the things people do and then how the the freedom they just want to be able to do whatever they can without restrictions on on any given day you go to youtube or anything like that put in like parkour or walking outside a tall building you'll have someone walking on the ledge with a gopro untethered to a siding of a uh, side of a building maybe and be you know hundreds of feet up if not a thousand feet up just doing whatever they want and they do every so often people fall to their death they do it when they you know on the side of cliffs on mountains um Though there is trespassing laws for that because there is a public health issue because if you're on a tall building in a crowded city, obviously, and you're walking outside and, you you know, wind comes up or you trip or you fall and you fall off the side of the building, there's a very good chance that you could hit someone on the way down or when you get down. Probably not on the way down because that would mean someone's on the outside, you know, walking on another ledge below you. I mean, eventually, someday, that may be a thing where uh, someone who decided to walk on the outside of a building falls and they don't hit someone underneath uh, on the ground. They hit someone on another ledge, a little lower, who's doing the same thing. But these are the things that people, people deciding that they don't want to have to jump out if they were, uh, there was a couple uh, I think they were trying to set a world record for the highest jump without a parachute. And they used nets and things like that and people jumping out of planes without parachutes, using wingsuits, landing uh, in, in some kind of target area. But there, I did a little research myself on this. If there were any laws that required you, required you to wear a parachute if you jumped out of a plane, and on a cursory look, there are no laws that require you to wear a parachute when you jump out of a plane. But there are laws against self-harm. Right? Against self-harm or the likelihood of self-harm. Now, we see people do things like climbing the outside of buildings, climbing up the side of buildings. Like there used to be a guy called Spider-Man, they called his nickname was Spider-Man. And he would climb up the side of buildings. Or every so often you have someone climb up the side of, of a scale, the side of a building. And they would get him for trespassing. Not for putting their life at risk. But they can also get him for that, putting their life at risk. And he said, this is suicide. But if your intention is, if your intention is not to self-harm, it would be very hard for someone to get you on that one. So if you jump out of a plane without a parachute and you say, no, I had a plan. I have a plan. I have a net. And I, here's, here's everything written out. So if they can say they, their plan is to survive, they can lose. I think they should be able to lose that argument. I know he's legalese and things like that. But they can say what the likelihood, then the argument from the state or whoever's the authority that's going to go against you doing this would say, well, we understand that you think you might be able to go over uh, Victoria Falls in a kayak, but the likelihood of you surviving is so infinitesimal 
inf- for minute that you, we believe that's a suicide attempt. They could do some argument like that and say, no, no, I thought it all out here. I got a parachute. I got this. I got the, the one time you have a parachute, you have it tied to your kayak. But there's all sorts of things that people do nowadays when you think about extremes and how, wh- why people would do such a thing as jump out of a plane in a wingsuit, let's say, and attempt to, you know, ride air currents down a couple thousand feet and try to land on their feet without a parachute. Or what they call that base jumping off a high tower. And all these other people that have, in, we call them extreme sports, but they're actually high, I would call them high percentage incident sports. Because skiing down a hill, let's say a intermediate uh, snow skiing hill is not considered extreme. Some people may view it as extreme. Skiing down a double diamond. Is, but skiing down the side of a mountain that has is prone to avalanches and is very steep can be considered extreme. And people do it just for the sake, you know, the hundred, there's, uh, if you uh, look up the video of, the, of, of surfing, giant wave surfers. I think it's Laird Thomas is the name of the guy that first was one of the first guys to start doing that stuff where they get towed up on their surfboard up to a giant wave so they can ride an 80 or 100 foot wave. And and you think about it and say people do this and they put they put their persons in a position where they can be gravely injured. Gravely injured, and you think of why why would you do that and how how does that make you feel? I'm gonna get back to that because I don't want to forget this. I want to talk about our sponsors. And our sponsors is Key Largo Chocolates, operated by the Peterson family. Rich and Brana. I told you last week, I don't know if I mentioned over last weekend, uh, I tried their, uh, they brought in a box of chocolate caramels and uh, sea salt caramels, and they were the most delicious ones I ever had. And I, I made sure to offer to my other co-workers, I said, you have approximately five minutes to try this because I'm going to eat them all. And I did eat them all, and they were delicious. There wasn't that many. There was only four of them uh, left. I should say. <laughs> so if you, Key Largo Chocolates is in Key Largo and Almorada. And they're confectioners of the highest level, I have to say. They also have uh, ice cream. It's Key Largo Chocolate and ice cream. You may see it listed too, but they're under the moniker Key Largo Chocolates. They have 36 small batch ice creams and sorbets. They have, you know, handmade truffles, fudges, Key lime pie, cookies, chocolate-covered potato chips, all these different things. Key lime pie, frozen key lime pie bars. Um, So if you really want to try it, if you're in the Keys, you should definitely visit them. They're in Key Largo, 100-476 Overseas Highway in Key Largo, and 81-933 Overseas Highway in Almorada. Also, 
you want to check out their wares, maybe order online, their website is www.keylargochocolates.com. You should really check them out. And if you get the chance to go in there, tell them that the Keys bartender sent you. To get back to that item, I was talking about how people do these things, spelunking, skydiving, uh, big wave riding, uh, all these things that seem to say, wow, these people don't really care much for their well-being. I think, and this is just me, it's way people place themselves inside the world where they are. They're trying to make and create an, an event that gives them significance. Right before I did the show, I was watching this. I guess it's a pseudo documentary because it's on Netflix. I don't really trust. They just put these documentaries together and it's called The Infinite. Infinity. And they did a whole show on Infinity after listening to the whole show, much like almost anything. This is almost like philosophy, if you contemplate philosophy. At the end of it, you're struggling to get meaning from something that's really hard to get grasp. And infinity, you're talking about infinity in the universe, infinity in time, infinity in minuteness and extremes, distances. Like how, how it, if the universe is infinite, just think of that. If the universe is infinite, there's unlimited space, unlimited places, unlimited galaxies. Now, according to some people who in, in physics, that exponential expansion post-Big Bang was where the universe came into being in a flash, in the shortest amount of time, in the millionth, millionth of a second. Very hard to contemplate <clears throat> that the far-flung reaches of the universe, I was going to say the galaxy, the universe, which is made up of hundreds of billions of galaxies that could occur in less than a second. And it almost sounds like they're making it up. You know, how could anything increase? If that were to increase, if it was exponential expansion would occur faster than the speed of light then. And considering the physics we understand right now there's nothing that goes faster than the speed of light. That's the limit. That's the limit. Some people may propose particles that perhaps dance across the speed of light, meaning they they appear in different places at different times, that there's um, sub a subnuclear entangle, entanglement Entanglement, 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 meaning two particles that are vastly separate behaving as if they're one particle, even though they could be millions and millions, millions and millions of light years apart. The the limit is the speed of light. So how can exponential expansion explain the creation of the universe? How could it expand faster than the speed of light? There's that one thing. And then there's the infinite. 
the infinite uh, proposal, if it's an infinite amount of states that particles could arrange themselves in. So if I was put in a box, in a perfect box, let's say, myself, was put inside this box, and there was an unlimited amount of oxygen. Eventually, I would die of starvation, blah, 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 in the box and stuff like that. But in the idea of infinite, infinite time, my body would degrade. This is, kind of, this is going to be kind of morbid and stuff like that, but this is the thought experiment. Inside that box, I would eventually die, desiccate. Eventually, my body would, and I'm talking over millions and millions and millions and millions of years, would... <clears throat> In the, in the infinite time, inside that sealed box where all my energy, all my atoms and everything would disintegrate into dust, back into atoms, into whatever form, it could eventually heat up from some plasma reaction, create a amount of heat, but still have the same amount of energy that every possible state that make up my body, all the atoms that make, all the particles that make up my body would rearrange in the infinite amount of time into every form that about that that body could take whether it would be um, iron or you know degrade into iron and do all these other things that eventually there would be a possibility that it would rearrange into being a breathing person again being me in the infinite amount of time that would accidentally occur. It's a hard concept to really contemplate. So if you extend that out to the universe, in the infinite in an infinite universe, you know, obviously you can believe in a finite universe. Some people believe in a finite earth where everything outside of Earth is uh, more of a projection, but in the infinite universe, then every form of matter, and matter of fact, if it's infinite, then this, um, you think of parallel universes? No, a parallel, there's parallel places where the possibility that the same thing is occurring and the same things are being spoken about here with slight changes or exactly the same, but it's occurring. Because there's an infinite amount of possibilities in there and for forms to take. And that form could be the same form that we are here. Or should be the same form in an infinite, once again, in an infinite universe. <clears throat> so being able to differentiate yourself in that by surfing a hundred foot wave or jumping out of a plane in a wingsuit and landing 50,000 feet. I mean, using oxygen and all that stuff, I guess, if you're going from halter, I, I, I don't think you can jump from 50,000 feet unless you jump from one of those uh, stratosphere balloons that take you way up. Um, and plus, you'd probably burn up on uh, when you're going down because of how thin the air is. You pick up too much speed, maybe. I don't know. I, I digress again. But being able to point anything that you do in an 
infinite universe, no matter how small or how big. Now, let's get to the how big. Whether you're Napoleon, Elon Musk, uh, Galileo, Joan of Arc. In an infinite universe, the biggest action we can take is almost indiscernible from the smallest action we can take. Let me repeat that. So from the biggest thing a human could do, the biggest thing, create a religion, a school of thought, a science, invent something that would change the world. In the infinite universe, it's almost indiscernible. The largest task, the largest effect is as almost minute as the smallest one because it goes out forever. So this is where people think sometimes they think it doesn't matter what happens now because everything ends up in the same way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that people are looking for ways to bookmark themselves into a infinite universe, a huge expanse of time where in consideration, almost anything we do is almost infinitesimal. infinitesimal. It's minute, small. But in, in our lives, we can make it as poignant and important as you want. It could be the biggest thing when you fall in love. It is the biggest thing that happened in the universe. When you fall in love, when you fall in love, that's the biggest thing that ever happened in the universe. For you. It didn't matter that the wheel was invented 12,000 years ago, let's say. Someone figured out how to use the wheel. I could probably be off a couple thousand years for that. You falling in love is the biggest thing, is the significance in the universe. In the universe's eyes, you falling in love could be, is nothing. So it's all according to perspective. So the person jumping out of a plane with a, out of a parachute or surfing the giant wave or riding on a motorcycle with a helmet is significant to them, not the universe. Okay? And that's where I think sometimes when people contemplate, they, they try to... They try to make their mark going from the perspective of the universe where they should be doing it from perspective of themselves. Whenever I know I did this, I did that for me. This is for me. And uh, not in the end, it really doesn't mean anything to anybody else. And I, I think that's where at least I got all my set, you know, my most satisfying significance of any actions as something more personalized. And that's all I have to say today. I'd like to uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to probably be changing over a bit of the format here shortly by keeping the main concept. What does that mean? I don't know, but we'll find out. I'll talk to you later. Have a great day.